Welcome to the Lake Show Life Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Now, please welcome your hosts, Jason Reed and Daniel Preciado. The Dunn chain has claimed another victim. In round one against the Portland Trailblazers, after the Lakers went up 2-1, I declared that the Blazers were done. They would not win another game. Lakers went on to a gentleman sweep the Blazers. Then, against the Houston Rockets, same thing. Lakers went up 2-1 after dropping game one. I gave the Rockets the Dunn chain. Some people called me crazy, said the Rockets would steal another game. And what do you know? I was right again. I predicted the Rockets to sw- or the Lakers to sweep the Rockets before the series. It was another gentleman sweep. But, Daniel, teams cannot escape my Dunn chain. Absolutely not. I just want to say before the series started with the Houston Rockets, I said Lakers in five, and look what happened. Yeah, yeah, it's because I put the Dunchain on them and I helped you out. Um, oh. <laughs> but since we uh, always give expert, you know, opinions and uh, analysis, I think you should uh, subscribe to the Lake Show Life podcast. <laughs> Leave us a five star review, you know, because we just keep keep hitting things, you know, the nail on the head of the coffin. So when you're that right that many times, I mean, it deserves a five star rating, Daniel. Absolutely. And if we don't get enough, maybe I won't give, you know, the Lakers uh, Western Conference final opponent who we do not know yet. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Maybe I won't give them the Dunn chain. Maybe I need some more five-star reviews to get <laughs> to uh, supply, buy another uh, Dunn chain because I'm running low on funds, you know? So mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll stop with the superstition. I'll stop wearing my LeBron James jersey. <laughs> um, it's been a while since we last recorded. Uh, I took a little bit of a uh, sabbatical. Uh, before the NFL season started, just because things are going to get crazy here. Um, So we did not record after game five. um, Or it was after game four, right? Uh, Yeah, we did not record after game four. four. We did not have a game four recap, and then we were going to have a game five recap posted uh, last night or this morning. (laughs) Instead, waited for the uh, Clippers-Nuggets game six to finish, so we can kind of talk about that a little bit. So here we are. Uh, The Lakers, you know, it's kind of old news now, but they're in the Western Conference Finals. Gentlemen sweep the Rockets. Danny, how are you feeling right now? I feel really, really good, especially seeing what's going on on the other side of the Western semifinals, Western Conference semifinals. I think the Lakers have a really, really, really good shot at uh, making their NBA Finals run here. Um, really like the, te- the team, the way they're looking right now. I Just overall, I think we're kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, I think it kind of makes the people look, and I was one of them who was kind of scared in the bubble, you know, with three-point shooting. I think it kind of makes us look a little dumb um, <laughs> because you can never, you can never discount a team that has two of the top five players in the NBA on it, and the Lakers are showing exactly the reason why. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Lakers look great after game one. They made the adjustments. I mean, they, they shot 51% from beyond the arc in game five. Uh, that's not going to happen every game, but even if they didn't shoot that well, they still would have beat the Rockets. It was a blowout. Uh, I believe the final score is 119-96, so that's what, 23 points? 23. Um, look, man, they looked great. Uh, Frank Vogel, you know, he's he got some doubters at the beginning of the year. Some people wanted Jason Kidd. Um, I know he's a Lakers coach. I'm not really sure why people wanted Jason Kidd, um, but yeah, <laughs> that's a discussion really for another day. Uh, Vogel's coming out, man. Vogel, I said Vogel. Vogel's coming out, and he was making you know adjustments, man. The Lakers went more small ball games four and five. Uh, Markeith Morris got more playing time. Uh, he looked great. Just you know, he started even. So Vogel, I think, is proving that he might be. I'm gonna say it, the best coach in the NBA playoffs right now. Would you agree? Oh, at that's least a tough one in terms of how he's performing this 
playoffs. Uh, yeah, I don't disagree. I think, I think anytime, I think the Lakers are clearly have been the best team in the NBA playoffs to this point. So, you know, you kind of got to give it to Vogel. Um, obviously the players on the court do the work, but uh, I, I really see a lot of things from Vogel that I like. I was a huge proponent of his going into the season. I really, really liked the hire, especially because the Lakers needed some defensive focus considering the roster and all. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really pleased with what he's doing. I like the decision to begin to start Markeith Morris instead of Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee for their uh, couple minutes there. JaVale McGee only played two minutes and Dwight only played four. So they still got their six minutes, the center minutes there, but Markeith got 24 and he absolutely balled out. Oh yeah. Uh, he was perfect from three, six for seven from the field. So he, he had another really, really solid game and he, he's been great for the Lakers, but, um, yeah, overall, I, I would have to agree with you that uh, Vogel's been the best coach in the NBA playoffs to this point. I mean, you got legends like Doc Rivers and Eric Spolstra, multi-time champions. Um, so it's hard to compete or, you know, put overall Vogel in that same record. breath. But yeah. definitely done a great job. Yeah, man. And, you know, Lakers have been just absolutely stellar defensively. Uh, the Houston Rockets, I believe, were second or third in the league in points per game heading into in the regular season. Lakers held them to, I believe it was 106 points per game. I did the math in an article the other day. Um, I don't know, have the exact number in front of me, but they had that game one and they limit them after. And if you look at like the advanced numbers, like the defensive rating and the defensive box plus minus, outside of LeBron and AD, which it's stellar, LeBron's playing much better defense in the playoffs, which we all knew he's a great defender when he really wants to be. I don't know why anyone says LeBron's a bad defensive player. He just doesn't really care in the playoffs or in the regular season, I should say. Um, but outside of AD, LeBron, and Caruso, no one has like really good defensive metrics. They're not bad, but it's been more of like a collective team effort. And again, that goes to, you know, that's credit to Frank Vogel. You have teams like the Clippers who have several guys who have really good, you know, individual analytic defensive numbers. But as a collective team, you know, whether it's rotations, who you're pairing together, just things of that nature, how you're attacking the other team. Vogel's been nearly flawless, man. They're adjusting when they need to adjust. And, you know, what team drops two, you know, game ones in ugly fashion and then just comes back and dominates the next four. Like, all eight games, all eight wins have just been domination. Even the closer ones, it was like the Lakers were the better team throughout. It was obvious throughout watching all those games. So, you know, I just, my hat's off to Frank Vogel, man. I'm, I'm a little bit of a Vogel fanboy right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame me. I don't blame me. I think he's done a great job. Yeah, man. So, it's been great. Uh, one of the things he was doing is he was playing a THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, giving him some playoff minutes, which was a, a very welcome surprise. I believe he got minutes in game four and game five. Game five, he got, what was it, like nine minutes, I think he got? Um, yeah, game five, he got nine minutes, and he had nine points. Yeah, man. I mean, not getting heavy minutes, you know, um, but still, he's looking good. And will he be a massive impact player moving forward? I wouldn't go that far and say that, you know, he'll necessarily be this big player for the Lakers in the finals or the Western Conference finals. But it's a good sign, man, because he was their first-round pick last year. Or was a second-round pick? Now I sound dumb. Uh, second second round, round, yeah, because they traded the first-round pick. Duh, it was the fourth overall. Um, second-round pick. Didn't really play much all year. You know, he got a little bit of bubble time. But he's young. He's super young. He's got the raw talent. And to see him get into an NBA playoff game and actually play really well, that just, you know, bodes well for the future of the team. So I'm excited. Yeah, definitely. He seemed really poised every time he was out there on the court. And I think the play and the numbers kind of showed for it. Uh, one thing I'm really impressed with is his defense. Uh, mm -hmm. When the Lakers initially drafted him or traded for that draft pick, um, everybody was talking about his defensive potential because of that wingspan. 
Yeah. I think he, I think a six, five, six, six, you know, a three, two type. It kind of depends on uh, what the Lakers are playing at any given moment, but defensively, I, I was really, really impressed. He really stood his ground. Uh, offensively, I was more than impressed. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I would continue to give him minutes. The kid doesn't seem like a kid out there. Um, yeah. Definitely seems like he, he knows what he's doing and, LeBron James was vocally very, very impressed with uh, Taylor Horton Tucker when he was on the floor. Uh, gave him kind of that vote of confidence that, you know, probably goes a long way with a young kid like THT. Um, but overall, yeah, I would love to see him get uh, get a few minutes down the stretch uh, as we, you know, go to the Western Conference Finals and either play the uh, Los Angeles Clippers or the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, man, it's just crazy. He's 19 years old. He turns 20 in, on November 25th. Um, I mean... I'm 21. I'm, I'm pretty young for the game. Turned 22 on a September 20th. Anyone wants to wish me a happy birthday? Uh, Daniel's young as well. He's 19. Um, and Taylor Horton Tucker is one day older than me. See, that's just insane, man. He's balling <laughs> one day out. Older than me. While we're recording podcasts, he's actually you know doing the real thing. Um, and he was great in the G League this year too. I mean, he had 38 games. He averaged 18 points a game. Um, and it's just kind of a testament to the Lakers player development. You know, you have Alex Caruso coming out of the G League. You have guys like Thomas Bryant, who is really good in the G League for the Lakers and then went to the the Washington Wizards and actually has like a viable NBA role. Um, Ivica Zubak, another late-round pitch that's pitch pick that is uh, developed into something nice. Um, Kuzma, you know, late first-round pick. Josh Hart, you know, Larry Nance Jr. It, the list goes on and on. You know, the Lakers, you know, while they're known for their superstars and especially now with LeBron and AD, uh, their player development, I think, is severely overlooked. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, totally. I speak that, you know, all the time is the Lakers. That's one of their biggest strengths. I mean, it, it's probably now going to be attracting superstars as long as, you know, we already got AD. But when LeBron eventually calls it quits, uh, I feel like the Lakers will be able to find a great pairing for AD. Uh, who knows? As soon as this uh, upcoming season, uh, if we swing a trade or something. But I really don't think that there's another team in the NBA that hits on as many late round uh, or second round picks or late rounders, uh, late first rounders, mm-hmm. or even undrafted guys. I, I know the Toronto Raptors do a really, really, really solid job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go down the line, I mean, you can even go as far as Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. Uh, I know you mentioned Larry Nance, Kuzma and Hart in the same draft. Everybody has turned out to be an NBA contributor. Even Mo Wagner has, has been doing his thing over in uh, for the Washington Wizards. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Yeah, there was a. I'm gonna butcher his name. Um, oh God, uh, Sviatoslav Mikhailik. I don't. I was never good at saying his name. Sviatoslav uh, Mikhailuk. <laughs> um, let's just say I was a little bit happy when he got traded, just because I didn't have to spell his name anymore. Uh, <laughs> but even him, man, he played 22 minutes a game for the Pistons this year. You know, averaged nine points a game, uh, shot over 40% from beyond the arc. Yeah, it sucks, you know, seeing the Lakers, you know, miss out on some of these guys and seeing them, you know, thrive elsewhere, especially considering uh, I believe he was traded for Reggie Bullock, who I don't even know. Is he even in the league anymore? He is. That's rude. uh, Yeah, he signed with the Knicks. Um, Oh, yeah, that's why I didn't know if he was in the league. Um, (laughs) But it's just a testament, you know, testament to the Lakers. And uh, THT, I think he's going to be an impact player moving forward. Is he going to be some superstar? Who knows? You know, he's a long ways from that. But next year, you know, we could see him potentially replacing someone like Rajon Rondo, you know, who is good, kind of, but he's old. And, you know, the Lakers kind of need that secondary, you know, ball handler. Um, Speaking of Rondo, that's been kind of the storyline of this series for us here at the Lake Show Life podcast. We both vehemently 
denied that playoff Ronda was a thing. Uh, Alex Cruz stands as we are. Um, he was great. He continued to be great. He was great again in the third game. Made us eat crow uh, since we last recorded. And maybe he did, didn't do as well because we didn't, you know, throw shade his way. Uh, didn't play <laughs> as well. He wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. He did have a solid game four and game five. He almost had a triple-double in game four. Game five, he was a little bit of a non-factor, but he did do good in uh, distributing the basketball. But, I mean, if this is the level of playoff Rondo we get, I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, totally, totally. Defense has actually been a lot better than expected. Um, but overall, you know, I will gladly eat my words, as we talked about on the last episode, <laughs> I believe. It's like, I will gladly eat my words if he's contributing to this basketball team. Like, if he helps the Lakers' chances of winning in any way, I am all for it, even though, you know, I'm not the biggest Rondo fan, as a lot of people all seem to be. <laughs> uh, within the Lakers fan base. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to see Rondo keep that, up this level of play as uh, Lakers move on to the WCFs. Yeah, and uh, one important thing to note is, even with Rajon Rondo's really good play and then his Game 4 and Game 5, where he was solid but not great, um, Alex Crusoe still got more playing time in both of those games. He got 23 minutes. Uh, Rondo got 20. The game before, he got 29. Rondo got 28. So... The important thing is that Crusoe is still on the floor. Um, that's what we were mostly upset about is Rondo being on the floor and Crusoe not being on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. Vogel's figured that out. You know, we said he's made adjustments. We kind of called him out after game one. I'm, I'm sure he heard us calling him out. Um, made adjustments, got them both on the floor. And Alex Crusoe, I mean, he's been doing his thing defensively. Had a big game four, 16 points, two assists, three rebounds. Had a steal and two blocks. Uh, went two of five from three. That's like an insane shooting night for Alex Crusoe. Uh, yep. Five and nine from the field. He's doing his thing. Um, he's the unsung hero of this team, even though Laker fans hype him up. He's more than a meme, and I just had to throw him out there because we can't have one episode go by without praising Alex Caruso. No, and I appreciate that you uh, mentioned him being the Caruso stand I am. But, yeah, game <laughs> four, he looked great, man. And we were only up five points at at, uh, at a point in the fourth quarter, and he hit a big three to put us up eight. Yeah. He also hit another three. LeBron was getting trapped in the corner. He kicked it out to Caruso, and he nailed the three. Um, so really happy to see that. That's that's great. If he if he can contribute to anything on offense, he is an absolutely electric player. Uh, defense has been great, as we mentioned. It seems like every episode, um, multiple times he blocked Westbrook. Multiple times he has blocked Harden in this in this series. Yep. Uh, I'd love to know who he's going to guard on uh, one of the two teams we're going to be playing in the next round. It, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, considering the makeup of both teams. Yeah, absolutely. I want to play a little game with you. Uh, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but we're just going to go through it. It's called Would You Rather with Alex Crusoe. So option one, <laughs> would you rather have Alex Crusoe or D'Angelo Russell right now? Hmm. <laughs> On this Laker basketball team, I'm probably taking Alex Crusoe, but I am not saying that Alex Crusoe is a better basketball player than D'Angelo Fair. Russell. So you'd build a franchise around D'Angelo Russell first. But on this Lakers team, which is what I'm asking, on this Lakers team, mm-hmm. you'd rather have Alex Caruso? I would rather have Alex Caruso, yes. Fair. I think that he fits the team a lot better than D'Lo would just because D'Lo's ball dominant. He wouldn't have worked with LeBron. Like, just say he was the he was the prospect that got strung along. Yeah. Or we uh, happen to keep him, you know, sign him in this offseason um, instead of the Danny Greens of the world and the Avery Bradleys <laughs> and whatnot. Um but, yeah, I would rather have Cruz on this team. The way he's playing basketball right now, the way he's playing defense, I think he means a lot to the Lakers that D'Lo wouldn't quite be bringing to the table if he was on this Lakers roster and starting 
uh, say instead of a KCP. Fair, fair. Okay. Uh, Alex Caruso or Lonzo Ball? Oh, that's an easy one. I'd rather have Alex Caruso. Easy? Okay. Yeah, I'm a, you know I'm a Lonzo one. Ball stand. That kind of hurts my feelings when you say one. easy. <laughs> yeah, right now. I, I like Lonzo too, uh, but I would definitely take Alex Caruso right now. Uh, Lonzo took a step back defensively with the Pelicans this past season. Yeah, fair. Um, I think Caruso's double the defender that Lonzo was this yeah. year. Uh, obviously, the offensive potential is a little bit different because Lonzo such a gifted passer. Uh, but yeah, I'd rather have Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso or Giannis Antetokounmpo? I'm so bad with names. <laughs> Stop. Of course, I'd rather have Giannis. Oh, come on. Wrong answer. Alex Caruso. <laughs> okay, last one before we get into our betting recap. Alex Caruso or Patrick Beverly? Oh, this is, yeah. See, I, <laughs> this is the first question I thought you were going to ask me, honestly. <laughs> uh, I'm taking Alex Caruso all day because you know what? I'll tell you this. Alex Caruso is the defender that everybody thinks Patrick Beverly is. And Patrick Ooh. Beverly, he's just a name, man. He's just a name. And I loved, what, I believe it was Russell Westbrook said last year in the playoffs that he tricked that Patrick oh, yeah. Beverly has tricked everybody into thinking he's a good defender that all he does is just run around. <laughs> That's kind of what Pat Bev is. He's kind of a dog on the court, but he's really not that great of a defender. And I've said this on the podcast before, the fact that, you know, just because you put in effort doesn't make you a great defender and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. That's and fair. totally. I, that, I stand by that, but yeah, I think Caruso is a better defender than Beverly. I think Caruso brings more to the offensive table too than Pat Bev does, even though Pat Bev's a better shooter, I'd say. Yeah. Um, but I, I like Caruso's ball handling. I like his passing ability. I think he just does a lot of intangibles that people genuinely think that Patrick Beverly is responsible for on that Clippers team that he really doesn't do. It's just, it's kind of the reputation at this point as opposed to actual production. With Caruso, it's actual production and nobody thinks he's doing it. Yeah. Um, Patrick Beverly has always just kind of been like uh, Draymond Green light to me. Uh, like Draymond Green's little brother, little like a half brother who's like four years younger and like <laughs> looks up to Draymond, wants to be the same thing that Draymond is to like a title contending team, but isn't quite there. Um, so I think Draymond's yeah. great, but that's always been kind of how I look at Patrick Beverly. Now you get both of them on the same team. Who knows? That could be magic. Patrick Beverly to the Warriors confirmed. Um, <laughs> get Ron Artest out of uh, retirement. You got a team right there. Ooh. Uh, 2015 Lance Stevenson. <laughs> oh, blowing on guys. You know what? I'm gonna say it. Patrick Beverly is just a slightly better Lance Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're different players, but in terms of value, hell yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> um, so obviously the elephant in the room, uh, Nuggets Clippers. Talk about Pat Bev. Game seven. Uh, this is what we waited to record for. We kind of both, kind of assumed that the Clippers were uh, gonna win today. Uh, we said going into this series that the Clippers were going to win in four or five. I believe I said five. I believe you said a sweep. Um, they had a 16-point lead at halftime. Second game in a row where they had a big halftime lead. And they just um, blew it. I, I was trying to think of a funny way to say it, but they blew it. Uh, they were outscored by 29 points in the second half. They lost 111-98, to Daniel, against the Denver yep. Nuggets team. Forcing Game 7. If they win Game 7, it'll be the second straight uh, 3-1 comeback, which obviously would probably be the first time in NBA history, I would assume. Obviously, the Warriors came think. back and then blew a 3-1 lead. Um, maybe the first time in sports history. I don't think a baseball team has ever done it back-to-back. -back. You would know if a hockey team has. I'm not a big hockey guy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think this has ever happened in professional sports. It could be, and I could be totally off. 
But in back-to-back series, it's a really, really tough feat to accomplish. I would say that it's tougher to come back from two three-one deficits deficits than it is one three-zero deficit. I agree. Winning four games in a row. I, I think agree. this is impressive. I think this is going to go down in the history books for sure. Yeah, because you figure two, you know, three-one deficits. You have six games between two series where there's like no margin for error. You cannot lose. You cannot have a bad possession down the stretch and lose the game. Whereas, yeah, you're down 3-0. Obviously, the same applies, but that's kind of that's four games without a mistake compared to six games without a mistake. So I would agree with you. Um, obviously, they got to do it first. Their game is on Tuesday. Now, the question I have for you, which is kind of an obvious question, is who we want to win. Obviously, that's the Nuggets, right? Oh, yeah, totally on board there. <laughs> I think the Clippers are super dangerous, even though they don't have the momentum in their favor right now. Clippers are a dangerous ball club. I would totally be not scared, but, you know, a little bit more on it, the edge of my seat if we were to play the Clippers in uh, the Western Conference Finals with the Nuggets. I personally think it's just it's a steamroll for the Lakers waiting to happen. Yep. Um, I would I would think that if the Nuggets win Game Seven, I don't care about their three-one deficit comebacks if it does you know end up being completed. I think the Lakers absolutely win their right to a ticket to the NBA Finals if uh, the Nuggets win Game Seven. Yeah, I agree, man. And uh, we don't want to preview it too much, like the matchups, because we're kind of saving that for when the matchup is set. You know, doing an in-depth preview. One thing I will say about the Nuggets is the Lakers have the one guy outside of maybe Giannis who's not in the playoffs anymore. Um, the one guy who can consistently, you know, guard and limit uh, Nikola Jokic. I almost ruined that name too. I'm so bad with names. Um, <laughs> like just pronouncing them. Um, you know, Anthony Davis. That guy's Anthony Davis. And yeah, you know, the Clippers have Kawhi who could slow him down. And there's guys out there that can't slow him down. Rudy Gobert, you know, the Utah Jazz, you know, did a decent job. But even he's like a little slower than AD. AD can go up and down the court with Jokic. Um, you know, he could stretch out to the three-point line to kind of defend him as well. Um, so that's why I think that matchup would be bad news for Nuggets fans. Um, especially considering the way that the Lakers have had their perimeter defense. They've already come up against two elite backcourts. And Jamal Murray and company is not, you know to the standard that the Houston Rockets and Portland Trailblazers are. So mm-hmm. obviously that's why you want the Nuggets to win. They've come up clutch. They look good. Um, all those things should be factored in. They do have more momentum. We did say momentum is important the other day. Um, but look, man, you know, I just think that's one of those things where the Lakers are a much better team. I said kind of jokingly going into round two that the Lakers might have had the easier second round matchup with the Rockets just because if they did win the series, it had blowout potential where the Nuggets were a team that would always kind of scratch and fight and at least stay in games. And while I was half kidding, I'm going to take the full credit for being right. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give it to you. I'll give you that credit. (laughs) Um, But the Clippers, man, I do want to touch on them, you know, not going too much in the matchup, but just how they've been in the playoffs thus far. They've been bad, dude. Like, it's not just, like, Lakers bias, you know, turning my Lakers goggles on and, like, wanting to bash the Clippers at any turn I get. Um, But they haven't been great. Round one went to six games. They kind of got saved by the Kristaps ejection. Of course, they still could have won the game. You don't know what would have happened, but it infinitely helped their chances. And then Luka getting hurt plus Kristaps getting hurt um, just helps their chances more. And despite all of that going in the Clippers' favors, yes, they didn't have Pat Bev, um... They, it still took six games, and granted, if Luka doesn't hit that game winner, it takes five games. I understand that. But, you know, that series shouldn't have went six games. It really shouldn't have. And then you have this series, which should have been a sweep, a gentleman's sweep at worst, going seven games because you blew two huge leads. Um, I don't think Doc Rivers has been good at all. I do think he's a legendary coach. 
Uh, he's going to go into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. I don't know why I said the whole name right there. That was kind of a flex by me. Um, <laughs> but he hasn't been good, man. Just the guys he's thrown out there on the court. I mean, you had Reggie Jackson defending Luka on that game winner. Um, mm-hmm. Montrezl Harrell hasn't been good. Uh, they do have good bench scoring, but overall the role players haven't been over like overall as good as the Lakers role players. If you look at the box scores, you look at the points per game, a Clippers fan could be like, well, we have more guys averaging 10 points. I mean that, you know, just in terms of overall impact, you know, defensively, Lou Williams is atrocious defensively. Reggie Jackson's atrocious defensively. Zubach has been good for them, but he's going to get missed, you know, manhandled by the Lakers bigs. Um, he just, they have not looked good. And I was looking at Doc Rivers track record and Outside of those two Celtics teams, he hasn't really been a good playoff coach. Like, I think it's kind of a misconception that he's like this insane playoff coach. That He did win the NBA championship with the Celtics' big three. But the Celtics were very obviously the most talented team that year. Like, it wasn't even close. Um, You know, they kind of started kind of this super team era in a sense. You know, they forced LeBron to start the Heat. Everyone credits LeBron in the Heat. But he went to the Heat because of the Celtics. Um and then, you know, they lost in the NBA Finals two years later. They did. That year, they weren't really supposed to make the Finals. I'll give him credit that year. But outside of those two teams, man, I mean, he lost in the Conference Finals in 2011, 2012. So they did get farther than expected. Again, I'll give him that. But, I mean, last year, lost in the first round. Great regular season coach. Um, lost in the first round. Lost in the first round 2016, 2017. Lost in the first round the year before that. And that's with the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin teams. Um, the two years before that, lost in the second round. You know, had so much talent in the world. Lost in the first round with Boston. Uh, even back in his Orlando days. Didn't get out of the first round until he won the NBA championship with the Boston Big Three. Um, despite making the playoffs four times. So I think it's a little bit of a stretch that he's this insane playoff head coach. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being biased. I mean, but Results speak for themselves. Yeah. I have a question for you. Well, no, I, not a question. I'll make a statement. So I'm looking, I strongly believe in a stat on basketball index called PIPM. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm-mm. Uh, so it's broken down into offensive PIPM and defensive PIPM. So it's like one of those stats, it's like an offensive-defensive breakdown, and then they're added together to make one final stat. Okay. So I'm looking right now. People like to you know, champion the Clippers' defense as a team, and I think this proves that the Lakers might have a better defense. I think they do. Um, there are only three players on the Clippers who have better than a one defensive pipum around. Once you get to two, starts to get to elite territory. Okay. All right. They only have three. Do That's you know how many the Lakers have? Three that are above that? one. Yes. So what is average? Is zero average? Can you get into negatives, or do you start yes, at zero? You can get into negatives. For example, Quinn Cook had a negative three point two pipum this season. Okay, so I would assume zero would be like league average. Pretty much. Uh, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Okay, so the Clippers have three above one. Yes. The Lakers, you know, eighty obviously. Alex Caruso. And is this a playing time thing? Is it like war where you have to attri- like have a lot of playing time to you know, or can it be like? Well, no, because Quinn Cook has a minus three. He didn't play that much. So, obviously, playing uh-huh. time doesn't help. It is not like Ward. It's not it's like win shares. Um, so, Caruso, AD, Danny Green, LeBron, maybe? I feel like LeBron is so slept on as a defender. LeBron say, James is one of them. Yep. I'm going to say five players. There are six. So, it is – you named AD, LeBron, Caruso, and Danny Green. That's correct. Okay. The best defender on the KCP? team, according to the stat, was JaVale McGee. <laughs> AD not far behind. 
with Dwight Howard in the mix also. Okay. So they have six to the Clippers three. The Clippers three are Pat Bev, Kawhi Leonard, and Avita Zubats. Okay. Mm-hmm. And a good portion of their team is actually in the negatives. I mean, Paul George is another one. I think I saw Landry Shamet is a, a positive asset defensively, according to the stat. Um, but the Lakers have a few more positive guys. I mean, you have Jared Dudley who graded out positive. You have Avery Bradley. Markeith Morris graded out positively. Yeah. Um, and they don't really have a, a deep defensive unit outside of some really elite defensive players, uh, like I'd call Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, man, I just, I don't like now that I'm digging into the stats and fully thinking about a Lakers Clippers matchup, I understand what happened during the season. Like you can totally make, uh, a good art, like really solid argument that the Clippers could take care of the Lakers. They can, I don't want to, you know, the way way they're playing right now mixed in with everything I'm actually looking at now, just all together on the table. I don't see this Clippers team beating the Los Angeles Lakers. I just don't. And I, I'm not trying to be biased here. I'm trying to be uh, the opposite of that. I genuinely look at this Lakers team, and I think that from top to bottom, it is a more formidable roster than the Clippers have. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, the way they're playing, if the Lakers continue the way they play and the Clippers continue the way they play, if they get past the Denver Nuggets, um, you know, the Clippers are playing better, or the Lakers are playing better. Can the Clippers still beat the Lakers? Absolutely. Um, if the Clippers, if a switch flips, you know, and something goes wrong with the Lakers, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Lakers are a guaranteed win. Um, but, and you touched on it too, and I think this is the biggest thing, and I'm kind of just regurgitating what you said. The thing with the Clippers is they do have two elite defensive players. You know, they kind of have the textbook example of two great, you know, elite two-way wing players in Kawhi, jo- Kawhi George, <laughs> Kawhi Leonard Kawhi and Paul George. George. Um, <laughs> and the Lakers, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, this year has been better defensively. You know, he was runner-up in defensive player of the year. I think Kawhi at his best is probably still a little bit better, but they do guard different players. So, um, And then Paul George has the edge over LeBron, but the way LeBron has been playing when it matters, you know, you saw that opening bubble game against the Clippers. He had that great defensive possession. He's been great in the playoffs. I don't think the gap is as big as some people may think. Um, but then after that, you know, the Clippers just have so many liabilities on defense, and the Lakers don't have that. You know, Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma are kind of the two, you know, liabilities that you think of. And Vogel has done a great job of utilizing Rondo's skill set to make him, you know, an average defender. And same with Kuzma. You know, Kuzma's putting in a lot of effort. He's not a great defender. He's, you know, probably maybe still a little bit below average. But he puts in that effort. You limit those mismatches. You know, things can happen. Whereas the Clippers, you do, they do have holes. Um I mean, Harrell hasn't been good defensively in the playoffs. I know, you know, statistically in the regular season, he's great, but hasn't been good in the playoffs, and he's undersized against this Lakers team. Like I mentioned, Lou Will, Reggie Jackson. I know Marcus Morris hasn't been great in the playoffs defensively. Um, It's just, you know, there's holes. There's holes that the Lakers can exploit, and I just don't think the Lakers have as many holes to exploit. Um, We said we weren't going to get too in-depth, but I think that's part of the reason why the Clippers are struggling so much. Doc Rivers isn't really managing those holes. I mean... There was times where Reggie Jackson in round one, Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams were on the court for a long period of time together, um, which is just bad. Um, so, I don't know, man. The Clippers, they're underperforming. Can they win game seven? Yes. Will they win? Probably. But the way they're playing, if I'm a Clippers fan, I'm not feeling too confident. If this was the Lakers, I would probably be picking against the Lakers just because I'd be looking at it a glass half full or half empty approach to kind of save the disappointment. 
Um, but it's not the Lakers, you know, because we made quick work of the Houston Rockets. Um, (laughs) Since we didn't uh, cover the last two games, though, I did want to do a – or the last one game. We didn't review the last two games. I want to do a bonus. We wanted to do a bonus betting picks. We were going to pick on game seven of the the Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Clippers, Daniel. Um, I am 10-8, and so I went 2-0 in the last game we picked. You went 1-1. Not to brag. You know, two games over 500. You're four games under. Um, just catch up, please, so it can be competitive. Uh, to make up for it, though, we're going to pick the Nuggets Clippers. The Nuggets are seven-point underdogs in this game, and the over-under is set at 207.5. It opened at 208, and just in a few hours has moved down to 207.5. Um, I will go first since I am in first place. I'll kind of give you an advantage if you want to sway your picks. I'm going to go no, Nuggets. No, I'm going to pick Nuggets plus seven. I don't know if the Nuggets win this game. I really don't. But the way the Clippers have been blowing leads and the way Doc Rivers has been, I think this will be a close game. It could very well be a game where the the Clippers have a big first half lead and finally put it together and have a good second half. Um, but I, I think this game will be close either way. And I do have the over as a result. I don't think either team is necessarily going to score a lot of points. But I think collectively, since it will be a close game, I think it's a smarter pick in a close game to pick the over than the under. I'm going to go... And I really, I want the Nuggets to win. Don't get me wrong, guys. I'm going to go 107-105 Clippers. That is my final okay. score prediction. All right. So, I'm going to tell you right now, and this kind of isn't great for me in the comeback territory. I'm going to agree with you on both picks this week oh, okay. this, uh, in this game. So, this is, Yeah. So the Nuggets, I will tell you this. Over the last five games, obviously they won three games to two in the last five games of the series. Mm-hmm. They've outscored the Clippers by a total of 26 points over the last five games. They have oh, wow. a plus 26 point differential. Wow. Uh, obviously the Clippers took care of them by 23 in that first game, but the Nuggets still have the point differential advantage there by three points. I'm easily taking the Nuggets plus seven. I think this game's either going to be close or the Nuggets are going to win it personally. Um I can totally see the Clippers winning it, but I love the Nuggets' momentum right now. I love the story behind them that they're, uh, you know, going to come back from two, three, one deficits. I think it's going to be awesome if they're able to get something like that off. I think they're going to have that in mind. I think Jokic is going to come to play. I think Jamal Murray is going to come to play. Um, definitely taking Nuggets plus seven. I'm going to take the over just because the total's really, really low. Mm-hmm. Um, my final score prediction: I'm going to go with one ten, one oh eight Nuggets. Wow. So how much of this is you being optimistic and hoping the Lakers play the Nuggets? What percentage? Uh, 20%. Okay. Okay, that's not yeah, that high. I think this is genuinely but what I believe. I like that the momentum is in the Nuggets' favor. We saw the way that played out against the Jazz. Obviously, the Clippers are a way better basketball team than Utah Jazz are. Uh, but I really, really like the Nuggets' chances. And I'm not just saying that because, you know, that's what I hope happens, uh, at least entirely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, genuinely believe that they have a great, great shot to uh, to win this next game seven here. Uh, we might be able to see a Nuggets Lakers Western Conference Finals. I know that'd be a disappointment to the city of LA in a way, because everybody's been wanting to see the Lakers and the Clippers face off in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but for the Lakers' chances of bringing home that NBA title uh, first since 2010, you know, doing it for Kobe, I think that uh, yeah, I think the Nuggets can pull it off. Now I want to ask you this. What would be better for you from a smack talk perspective? The Clippers losing this game, we'll say in blowout fashion, 
like Kawhi looks terrible. Paul George looks terrible. They argue. We start to question if they're even going to be together after next year. Um, they blow this game. Nuggets go on to play the Lakers. The Lakers sweep the Nuggets. Um, go on to play the finals. We won't go that far into the what-if scenario. Or the Clippers win this game, whether it be convincingly or in close margin, and then get swept by the Los Angeles Lakers. And we see the same things happening between Kawhi and Paul George, but we see it after a Lakers sweep. Would it be better if the Clippers lost this round and still can't get to the Western Conference Finals? Or would it be better if the Clippers won and got swept by the Lakers, just from your own smack talk perspective? Hmm. The fact that you said sweep instead of just outright beat makes me lean that way. But I'm going to actually say that the Clippers losing this series to the Denver Nuggets would be better and more beneficial from a smack talk perspective than them actually playing the Lakers and getting swept. And the reason I say that is because we, as you know, Lakers people can say, you could, you couldn't even meet us at the dance. Yeah. You know, you, Oh yeah. yeah, You made it to the Western conference finals and got swept or wow. You didn't even meet us there. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of what the debate is or what the question is kind of revolving around. So, you know what I'm going to say that, It'd be a lot worse if the Clippers lost to the Nuggets in seven and allowed to the Nuggets to creep back in and <laughs> come back from a 3-1 deficit than it would be to show up with the Lakers playing bad basketball or the Clippers playing bad basketball, playing up and showing the Lakers, getting outright swept. Yeah, man. I think that might be a hot take, but, you know, that's I think that's the way I view it. And, you know, I want to kind of hammer this point home just to – there's no Clipper fans listening to this, but if you have any Clipper fans in your life um, – they got to be worried if they don't make it to the Western Conference Finals. Now, if they make it to the Western Conference Finals and it's a close series, they lose in seven games, or if they even you know get past, make win the finals. You know, if they win the finals, nothing matters in the future. But if they lose in this round or they lose convincingly in the Western Conference Finals, you have to be worried about the future because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are only locked down for two years, and that is not an accident. That is not like oh, they just want a new contract. That is because of the stat, the status, status, status of the NBA. And that if it doesn't work, both guys can pick up and leave. And then the Clippers will have a brand new arena with no players, no draft capital, because they traded seven first-round picks for Paul George. Um, Yes, they are L.A. Um, They could potentially lure in a superstar. But as we've seen in the past, the Lakers have always been better in doing so. And if this Kawhi-Paul George thing, you know, doesn't work then it's going to not be appealing to other superstars because they're going to start to question other things about the franchise. Um, I do think the Clippers are a good, uh, good run franchise. I think Steve Ballmer is a good owner. He's really good for the NBA. I don't want to say that, that he's bad. Um, but I'd be worried. I would be worried if I was a Clippers fan. Same thing with the Lakers. You know, If AD and LeBron were bickering and they lost to the Heat this round or they lost to the Clippers and you see them open, openly bickering, I'd be a little bit worried about AD leaving. Um, but with as successful as they are, you know, I, I think there's a 0% chance it leaves, at least after this year. I could see him opting back in, um, not signing a new contract just because of the way the salary cap is with COVID, um, playing one more year, and then potentially leaving if it's kind of like they did their thing, LeBron and AD both kind of go their own ways. I don't think that's likely, but I could see that happening. But they're so good that I think, you know, they'll win a title in that span. So, and then it would be worth it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And if they win a yeah, title, the Clippers falling apart. Yeah, absolutely. And if they win a title, you know, and one of them leaves, you still have room for Giannis, or you know, who knows where he'll go um, if he goes anywhere in the future. 
but Lakers. No I'm kidding. <laughs> there's more options. It's a long shot, but oh my god, I would salivate over the chance of getting Giannis in purple and gold. Oh yeah, that's uh that'd be amazing. He said he wasn't going to go anywhere after you know losing to the Miami Heat and the uh, Eastern Conference semifinals, but he said that he wasn't going to go anywhere this off season. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> he also uh, unfollowed all his Bucks teammates on uh, Instagram. Did so he that really? Is a, oh yeah, you I didn't, didn't hear see about that. that. No. Yeah. So supposedly they, he said this to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports. He said that he had no intentions of leaving Milwaukee at least for this offseason, as he mentioned. But the next day, he had a sit-down meeting that was widely reported about with uh, the Bucks front office. A couple hours after that meeting was supposedly ending or was supposed to end, he unfollowed the Bucks Instagram account and all of his teammates on Instagram. Wow. And that could just be a in-the-moment heated thing. You know, I'm not going to read too much into that, even though that's what the NBA loves to do. Um, but he did say in that quote, he said, some people say a wall and go the other way. I see a wall and go right through it. He is confirming that he sees a wall with the Milwaukee Bucks. So what does that have to say? Subconsciously, he may have just admitted that he sees a challenge. He sees something wrong with the Bucks, And he's going to uh-huh. try to power through that challenge. But I, I, I would respect. Yeah, which I, I think um, the thing is he probably wants maybe more help. Um, even though the Bucks have a great supporting cast. But maybe he was asking for more help. Maybe it was one of those things. Who knows? I don't think he's going anywhere at least next year. Um, but we'll see moving yeah, forward. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the Heat did get past them, you know, surprise manner. They are taking on the Boston Celtics, who won Game Seven against the Toronto Raptors. I was a little worried because I picked Celtics and I didn't really have any, you know, like stake in the game. I didn't bet on it, but I just like being right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they got past the Heat, and now you have a Celtics Heat Eastern Conference Finals. If the Lakers do face the Nuggets or Clippers, get past them, they're going to face one of these two teams in the finals. I just want to get your thought on who you think wins this series, Daniel. I think the Celtics win it in convincing fashion and head to the NBA Finals, personally. Uh, that's not to discount what the Heat have been doing. They took out the Milwaukee Bucks, one of the uh, primary favorites for the NBA title this season, at yeah. least to make it out of the Eastern Conference, which I don't really think anybody expected them to lose that early. Um, I would I would probably go with Celtics in six. Celtics in five, six, somewhere around there. I don't see the series going seven. I don't see the Heat winning. But, you know, they got the momentum, too. The Celtics just got, you know, kind of uh, dried up in a seven-game series with the Toronto Raptors that honestly shouldn't have lasted that long. Yeah. But the Celtics did not. They played down to the Raptors. The Raptors were struggling the entire series uh, to put the ball in the hole. And it really, really spoke volumes to me that the Celtics really didn't take command of the series. Mm -hmm. So, you know what? I'm talking myself more and more into Celtics and six. Okay. Um, yeah, I got the Celtics too. I've been riding them high um, just in terms of, you know, matchups in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think this series is a five-game series, Daniel. Ooh. I really do. I think the Miami Heat have been great. And part of this, you know, I just kind of aren't – I'm not taking the Heat seriously. Um, I told I told the story on the pod, but I talked to my girlfriend's cousin, and he had the Heat going to the finals. I called him crazy. No way they get past the Bucks. I was wrong on that. He was right. I had to tell him and make sure he knows that he was right. You know, he did a little told you so. Um, <laughs> but I think this might be. I still think they're one year away. I'm I'm riding high on that narrative. One year away from being a legitimate title contender. I think they kind of peaked by beating the Bucks, um, and that'll be kind of the building block moving forward. I could just see this narrative going into next season, like the Heat, B 
beat the Bucks, but then drop the ball against the Celtics. Like they're the dark horse contender team. I just see it. You know, I know how sports media works. So I see the Celtics kind of coming in, taking a demanding series lead on some close games. They're going to be close, but I see them, you know, barely edging out the heat to go up 2-0 in the series. And then from there, you know, Jay Butt is a tremendous competitor. Um, but I do think once the heat are down, because they have not been down at all this playoffs, you know, we'll start to see some things happen. Some of the inexperience, some of the jitters with the shooters, the young shooters. Um, and then the Celtics will be able to take three of the two of the last five. The Heat will be able to sneak one in after that. So I have Celtics taking a 2-0 lead, maybe dropping game three and then winning game four and game five, all in close fashion. I think the point differential will be very small for a 4-1 series. But I got the Celtics, man. And then hopefully we get a Lakers-Celtics finals because that would just be electric. Let me ask you about the Celtics. So that kind of analysis of the Celtics versus Heat series we're about to see, anything for you, you know, that sways yourself towards the Celtics that the Heat have been waiting to play for so long? The rest versus rust argument, they're definitely really well-rested, having to wait for the Celtics and Raptors uh, to go seven. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I think the Heat are a high-energy team that have a lot of momentum, and when they have to rest, you know, Jimmy Butler's been taking on some uh, side gigs in the Orlando bubble, was selling wine. I think Frank Vogel said he was trying to sell him, like, shoes or a book or something. Um, yep. I think Jay Butt has been focusing too much on his side hustles. <laughs> no, nah, that's that's kidding. I don't want to, you know, slander <laughs> Jimmy Butler. I, I like Jimmy Butler personally. Um, I don't know, man. We saw it with the Lakers. Uh, they came out both, you know, round one and round two. They had a lot of rest, and didn't look great in those first games. Um, you know, whereas the Houston Rockets just came off of a game seven, still had the momentum rolling. So I do think that it'll, you know, benefit the Celtics more, especially considering, you know, I think this is more true than ever that, you know, with a four month hiatus, um, the Celtics legs are still fresh. They're not worn down from two playoff series, even though it did go seven games, but it's not like they have a bunch of miles on their body with no rest. Um, so I think the, you know, the advantages of rest aren't as high, whereas I think, oh, I just punched my blinds, whereas the disadvantages of rest, you know, are kind of more prevalent. So, yeah, I'm just finding more reasons to like the Celtics. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, Celtics and six. I'm going to stick with it. You're going Celtics and five? Yeah, Celtics and five. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, man. So, Tuesday, Clippers, Nuggets, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, the Celtics and Heat actually play that day as well. I believe that's game one for their series. Uh, Celtics mm-hmm. open as one and a half point favorites. Um, so we'll record that night. Uh, we have an interview coming up. Uh, Jeff Perlman, he's coming out with a new book. We're going to talk to him about that. Uh, get his thoughts. It's about the Kobe uh, Shaq Lakers. And so we're going to get some thoughts on that. Uh, he's got some great insight. He's going to be scheduled in sometime this week. We're going to talk about the winner of the Nuggets Clippers, preview that series. In the meantime, until the next time you hear us, go Lakers. I'll, I'll be balling every day. Every day.